0: Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. On this episode, I have a very special guest joining me today. I have Jason Brazil, who does holistic health work and body work in the San Marcos and Greater Austin area. Jason, thank you so much for being here on the show. I know you've helped me significantly (laughs) as I've been in pain for the last few months. And uh, our conversation during our session really you know, inspired me and and helped me out a lot. So Jason, thank you so much for being here, man.
1: Super glad to be here. Thanks, Victor.
0: Yeah. How did you get into body work and holistic health work? Like what really inspired you in that direction?
1: I spent a lot of time injured as a kid. Uh, (laughs) So the pain, the pain, yeah, which is usually how it works, right? There's the the pain is the teacher. Um, I, I spent a lot of time being injured. I didn't have the healthiest lifestyle growing up, but Mm -hmm. I was really active. Yes. I was playing a lot of sports, but my, my diet wasn't necessarily ideal. Um, my emotional state wasn't always ideal Mm -hmm. and I was pushing myself to, um, to be a better and better athlete Yes, in a body that was growing much too fast. Yes. So So it was
0: beyond the pace that, that, that you were able to handle in that sense. Exactly. I was Mm -hmm. like a
1: giant puppy and so (laughs) I didn't have the core stability, Mm -hmm. um, especially deep core stability around my spine to really stabilize well in athletic environments. And so I had just a lot of injuries, like recurring nagging injuries. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my back would go out as like a 12 or 13 year old kid and I wouldn't be able to walk practically for a week, you know? And so you're, you're dealing with these problems that a sixty or seventy year old guy who you know has been eating shit food his whole life. <laughs> yes, has to deal you're twelve. With. Exactly. <laughs> you're so supposed I'm 12. to be spry and <laughs> <Yeah>, athletic. <laughs> exactly, and uh, and I come from a uh, pretty stoic kind of family. You know, it's like mm-hmm. push through. Yeah, and just push through the pain. Exactly, push through the pain. Keep playing as best you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I learned that lesson early on. And um, you know, I had a lot of help from different holistic health practitioners, there were a couple of chiropractors in my, my hometown of Wimberley, Texas that were instrumental in keeping me moving and healthy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as I continued growing, and I started developing that core stability, getting stronger, getting hurt less, mm-hmm. but things would still get dinged. And I never really liked going to the doctor. Yes, I understand. you and I share that. Yes, I mean, I'll avoid going to the doctor for anything, you know. It's like, if it's not completely torn off, broken, you know. Yes, I'll figure it it out. I'll figure it out, exactly. (laughs) And so, just um, as I got into college, started practicing martial arts, Mm -hmm. um, I realized that there was a lot more to health than just exercise. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the sleep component, diet component. Um, There's a huge um, there's a huge piece that I was missing until I was about 18, which is, uh, the spiritual self-management and emotional Mm. self-management, which you're really an expert in also from my understanding. I mean, that
0: was the majority of our conversation. Right. (laughs) right. So
1: I'm sure we'll get into that. Absolutely. So when I hit that age, 18, 19, it's a very pivotal time for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I got into college. I was living on my own. Uh, I started doing a lot of research and holistic health, spirituality, mm-hmm. and beca- mostly with the idea of becoming self-sufficient in a way. You know, yes. where I don't need to go to the doctor. I don't really need to ask anybody for help, you know, which ha- is a double-edged sword. Yes. Um,
0: the independence is, is a gift, but at the same time, yeah. it could also be the thing that causes you to hurt yourself more, is like not needing somebody's help.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I started studying more about diet, nutrition, things like that, and I developed a real interest in... Uh, All Other alternative methods of healing, energy healing, Mm. crystals, you know, anything I could get my hands on that was like not mainstream. Yes.
0: Anything, (laughs) anything that would help or that maybe would help. It's like, we're going for, we're going to try it out. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, so time went on. I got through college. I actually graduated with a philosophy degree and you're in the right place. (laughs) place. I don't use it now. I don't think, but you know, it it did inform that phase of my life. And, Mm -hmm. um, so Right out of college, just doing what the typical American does. I went and got a corporate job mm-hmm. and worked a corporate job. Did not like it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I didn't like being stuck in an office for nine hours a day and eating lunch at my desk and all this. So yeah,
0: like I don't think this is what we were made for. No, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so once again, the the pain of the emotional pain mm. of that work, you know, it's not that the work was bad. It's just that the environment wasn't wasn't that supportive the people weren't all that supportive mm-hmm. and um and i had a lot of time to myself yes. because i was living alone in a new town mm. f- super far away from home i was living in nebraska oh or, yeah you know, so <laughs> so i would go home and to sort of medicate the pain in a way i, w- I was studying and reading as much as i could get mm. uh, at that time especially on herbalism i was mm-hmm. really into uh, plant medicine you know and I, I took this 1,000-hour like correspondence course in, in herbalism. I was working every day on it, like four or five hours every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like
0: uh, really committed and diving into absolutely. it. Absolutely.
1: Well, and I didn't have anything else to do. Yes. So <laughs> It's like
0: I'm in a new town, don't know anybody, I'm just here by myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And so um, the there was a lot of references in those herbal books that I was reading to making sure that you're getting proper sleep, proper nutrition, Mm -hmm. hydration, all this stuff that I had already been getting exposed to over the years. Mm -hmm. And body work was a regular thing that these people would talk about too, is making sure you're getting good massage and acupressure and Mm. acupuncture and doing a reflexology and learning all about um, caring for the the frame, you know, Mm -hmm. the human frame. So uh, time went on and I sustained a couple of much bigger injuries that brought me back to, the Austin area. So Mm -hmm. back to Wimberley, I lived with my folks for a while. And Mm -hmm. as I was recovering and that was such a jarring transition for me that, Mm -hmm. um, I was in a career shift at that time. So, you know, I get home, I'm not really doing a whole lot. And, uh, I taught at a private school for a little while, which is an excellent experience Mm -hmm. and which doesn't pay well. No, as you can imagine. <laughs> it doesn't seem proportionate
0: to the amount of work and care that you need to put into a Abs- craft like teaching.
1: Absolutely, and so as a, at, at, you know, at that point I was like twenty four, twenty five, mm-hmm. so I wasn't, um, I I, I wasn't jaded with it. Mm-hmm. I loved it, and yeah, then, but I got very enthusiastic. Oh yeah, about so so. You know what happens is you know as well as anybody mm-hmm. when you pour all your love and effort into something and don't get rewarded yeah. in, in turn and you, you don't know?
0: feel a reciprocation <laughs> exactly yeah
1: so said so screw this like yeah. so I, after one year of doing that despite my love for it uh, I decided to make another career shift mm-hmm. and because of that holistic health studying that I had been doing. I really wanted a medical license. Like I wanted to be bona fide. Like I'm mm-hmm. working with people. I'm helping people on a day-to-day basis and yes. in some sort of healthcare field. Mm-hmm. And at the time I didn't really care what, like, yeah. so I looked at all the options. I was pretty thorough. I think looking through all the options, lots of different schools. I looked at the traditional MD route, mm-hmm. uh, DO doctor of osteopath mm-hmm. uh, osteopathy, um, acupuncture, nursing, chiropractic, uh, just doing reflexology, massage therapy. Mm -hmm. And with the exception of massage therapy, Mm -hmm. everything else was going to be minimum another four years. Yeah. We were Um, like, Oh, we're we're starting right back. uh, over Exactly. And I didn't want to (laughs) start over again. I have a liberal arts background. I'm like, so I'm not, I have to go take all these pre-med courses. Yes. So I take, you know, so I do this research. I talk to my soul and Mm. um, I spent some time at an ashram out Mm. in San Diego and I really got clear on what it was that I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I, I realized that it didn't really matter what I was doing so long as I was working with people, yes and helping them heal. So, but I definitely wanted the license. Mm-hmm. So I came down to the conclusion that instead of four years and a minimum of 80 to 100 grand,, mm-hmm. the massage therapy program that I was looking at in Austin was six months and seven grand. Yes. So it <laughs> seemed like a better deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's an eighth of the time and an eighth mm-hmm. of the cost, the tenth of the cost, whatever it's right. You know, much more accessible. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I had already been uh, intuiting that that was the right path. So as soon as I got back from the ashram, I immediately applied and immediately got in the program. So, mm-hmm. um, so my license, official license is massage therapist, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a licensed massage therapist in Texas and, um, I, I was really interested in therapeutic body work and actually helping people fix yes. stuff. Uh, so not just managing uh, the pain, it, but actually creating a solution for it. it. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, that's not what you learn in massage school necessarily. It's like <laughs> how not to hurt somebody. Yes. Uh, which uh, is important. It's right? super important. <laughs> like you so, got to know these things too, right? It's a really, really good foundational, mm-hmm. uh, start to, yes. to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, it get pretty much guarantees that you'll be able to get hired somewhere, yeah. That kind of thing. So, but while I was in school, I was uh, observing and interning with Mensch Method Bodywork, which is where I, I work now in mm-hmm. Austin. Uh, so I work part time for Mensch Method and part time for myself mm-hmm. in San Marcos. So um, the the methods that I learned there, yes. which is a, a combination of trigger point and deep tissue therapy, yes, um, that focuses on essentially blocking blood supply to muscles long enough that they relax mm-hmm. and then releasing them through their full range of motion. Mm-hmm. That, that method vastly accelerated where I was oh, at, yeah. as a therapist. It gave me a sense of confidence that I could actually help people, you know, cause people get off the table and like yourself, it's yeah. like, I feel like I'm in a totally different state. It, it
0: was significant, man. Like I remember I got off the table and this was like, this wasn't long ago from the time of this recording, but I remember like my whole body felt like different, like it was just like moving and functioning differently. I just felt looser, and like it. it it's kind of like you mentioned it at the end. You're like, yeah, your whole nervous system is just <laughs> firing off in a totally different way, and that's exactly what it felt like. And I remember I felt lighter mm-hmm. when I would lay down post that session. I would actually feel like I was relaxing, whereas before that session, every time I would lay down, this is going to sound super weird to explain, but it. It almost felt like I was like trying to hold myself up, even though I was laying on a surface. Mm. Versus after that session, I remember I was actually able to like relax, even when I'm like laying in bed or on the couch or anything like that. And that was a significant difference. And the pain that I was feeling was like maybe for the past eleven months, and it like eighty to ninety percent complete, like subsided. Right, like to the point where I was actually able to like do the things that I wanted to do without the significant pain that I was feeling in my, you know, upper glute and lower back. So it, it, it was one of those situations where I was like, no, I'll just, you know, I'll help myself. And then at, at some point I was like, I need to ask somebody for help. And then, you know, a good friend of mine referred me to you. yeah, And I'm very glad that I went because I, like I can attest to, to that method and it working. Like it was really, really solid, man.
1: Awesome. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, you don't know until you try it. Yeah, and a lot of people have had massage therapy, and they're yeah, like, "Oh, it didn't it work." Is not the same. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same at all. Uh, you know, the guy who created Mensch method, Ken Mench. He's uh, mm-hmm. he, he's been doing that for thirty years by building that method for thirty years, and so I just took a took a lesson from the master, yeah. you know, and started practicing exactly like he practices, you know. Yes. And uh, since then, I you started to. Incorporate other aspects of the healing process, the emotional mm-hmm. work, and things like that in in my own practice. But mm-hmm. but as far as a you know a solid foundation, I got in terms of the, the real work of releasing muscles mm-hmm. and helping, uh, really helping coach people and help them understand what their body is doing and how it can improve. Yes, um, and give them a real path out of their pain. Mm-hmm. I, I have to give Mensch Method that uh, you know Ken and his method mm-hmm. that credit. Absolutely. It accelerated me thirty years into the future.
0: It was so, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. No, so like, no. if anybody's in the Austin area, Mench method—that's <laughs> what you want to do if you have any kind of pain whatsoever.
1: Absolutely, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I noticed too, like you are invested in the emotional aspect yes. of that as well, because I know. At least in my experience when coaching people, a lot of the time when we're releasing certain emotions that they have, they will literally feel it in a certain place in their body. And by the time we're done the session, whatever, wherever that area of pain was sometimes subsides. Yes. It doesn't always because that's not what we're doing directly speaking. But sometimes when they release a certain emotion, the body actually releases whatever part has been tensed up. What What's your experience with the link between emotions and injuries or emotions and chronic pain.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So over the last couple of years, this has been a really deep dive mm-hmm. of mine because I've, I've had this belief for quite a while that the body and the mind are one thing, yes. right? Body, mind and spirit. You hear it all the time. There mm-hmm. is, so it's all one being. Yes. So it stands to reason that if the body can be released and an, and an emotion is released, you know, mm-hmm. or your nervous system can relax or how you're describing, like I can actually relax into my own skin, lay on yes. my back, and I feel like I'm not holding myself up. Yeah, That's really more of an emotional statement. It's saying like mm-hmm. it, the, the subtext of that is I feel safe enough to relax. Yes. Right? So, 100%. so the body work is able to release those stuck emotions, stagnant emotions. Mm-hmm. So it stands to reason the opposite is true. Yes, and releasing the stuck emotions, healing past traumas, family lineage traumas, those kinds of things, and finding those emotions in the body and re- releasing them through breath or through body work or whatever, mm-hmm. the uh, the physical pains go away sometimes yes. spontaneously and in really really surprising ways. Mm-hmm. One example that comes to mind recently that I experienced personally was. I was in the middle of a life transition. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend and I were living on a farm west of Austin. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard work and a lot of fun, great experience. But after about nine months of living out there and working, we were kind of over it. Yeah.
0: Like we've had the farmer's experience. (laughs)
1: Interested in homesteading, not interested in running a farm. (laughs) It's really hard. Yes. You know, so um, I had this, this, pain in my left foot like, mm-hmm. spontaneously come up in that nine, eight to nine month period.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it hurt, man. Like I'm, I've got a pretty high pain tolerance, mm-hmm. but this was just killing me. Like every yeah. time I stepped on it, it would, it would mm-hmm. you'd you'd feel hurt. It. I would feel it. It was interrupting my, my life. My mental state was not great because I couldn't walk and move the way I wanted to without some serious, pretty serious pain. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to come out of nowhere. Mm. So Life goes on. We're working towards our next life transition. We know we don't really want to be there for that much longer. And so we ended up getting a lease down in San Marcos squared away, mm-hmm. um, which is about an hour away. We got a bunch of crap to move, you know, and there's still work to be done on the farm. So we, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, but mm-hmm. there's still, there's still work to be done. Yes. But it's not work that we're really committed to or, it's, and I'm just speaking for myself here that I'm not really committed to anymore. hmm So, The pain didn't really let up even once I had that, the next step planned Mm -hmm. out. And, you know, I was doing all the stuff that I could. I was doing self-acupuncture and acupressure Mm -hmm. and, you know, taking a bunch of supplements and herbs. Doing all the right things. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm a therapist. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as manual therapy and soft tissue stuff is concerned, like I was doing everything. Yes. You could think of to do. Mm -hmm. And it should have worked if it was just a physical thing, but it wasn't even touching it. Wasn't even making it better, like not yeah, 0% like better. No dent whatsoever. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, this, this has got to be yes. emotional or some. there has to be some other layer that I'm missing here. Mm-hmm. On the very last work day at mm-hmm. the farm, we started work at about 7, a. 7 in the morning. Mm-hmm. From 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. when we kind of wrapped up our, our big chunk of the work mm-hmm. and it was just kind of clean up after that. Between that period of 7 a.m. and 2 p.m., the foot pain completely cleared up hmm. totally gone interesting by, by the afternoon yes So all in one day and it was the very last work day so we were then able to dump all our time and energy into moving our stuff mm. and uh, that just struck home that wow oh wow man there's like first of all there's <laughs> specific emotions that mm. are stored in specific parts of the body yes and it's pretty consistent between people mm-hmm. from what i've seen An interesting thing is, I started that week after my foot pain disappeared. Mm -hmm. I saw four or five people with the same left foot pain, and they were all going through these life transitions. Oh, wow. Because I I was curious, you know? I'm like, oh, interesting. Wow, you got the same pain in the same spot. (laughs) And it's like, is there any big, you know, big moves happening in your life or stuff Mm -hmm. you're feeling stuck with that's, you know, that's weighing you down for moving into your next? next phase and all of them said yes and I was like okay I'm on to something here (laughs) there's a pattern here (laughs) yeah exactly and so since then I've seen a lot of patterns uh with different parts of the body hip low back shoulder Mm -hmm. you know left and right have different meanings yes and this is not a new concept um some of your listeners might be familiar with um Luis Hay and like the Hay House publisher publishing group Mm -hmm. from Colorado Mm -hmm. it's like you know spiritual wellness yes you know the kind of holistic alternative health publisher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They publish that, that that nature of books. Exactly. So Louise Hay, who founded Hay house, Mm -hmm. wrote a book called heal your body Mm. and heal your body is basically just a directory of an ailment or a body part that's undergoing pain and the emotional correlation. Yes. And it's like a dictionary. That's amazing. It's a super thin book. It's like, yeah, it's like a quarter of an, you know, you know, half an inch, quarter of an inch thick. But it's super dense and it has all of these correspondences, which, mm-hmm. you know, may or may not, some of them may be her interpretation, mm-hmm. but it offers an, a way to look at where different emotions are stored or what might be causing a physical pain. It's not actually physical. Right. Yeah. It's and, and it's,
0: what's required is to release that emotion. Exactly. Uh, and what's what's interesting is that, you know, in the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned that, you know, you were brought up in a Stoic family, like a family that's like, Hey, just push through it, whatever it is. And a lot of the time when you push through those emotions, they stay and they persist. It's like that whole adage of what you resist will persist. And when you keep them around and you don't address them, it seems like they compound and they kind of garner other associated emotions with them. So one thing that I think is interesting, one of the reasons that I, that I added the whole Zen element to Stoicism and created Zen Stoic is for this reason. It's like, we can't just write off emotions as though they're insignificant. Like there is something, there's a disturbance happening when you have an unpleasant emotion and it's trying to tell you something. And if it's unaddressed or if it's undealt with or unprocessed, like it stays with you for years or even decades sometimes. Um, So it's really interesting that like by doing certain things that were kind of lingering in the background Mm. that were causing some feelings, that that pain went away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's interesting that you brought Zen into the stoic path because I, from the reading that I've done on stoicism, there is definitely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a denial, but certainly a putting aside of emotion. There, there's,
0: there's a uh-huh. brushing. Them off. Yes. <laughs> there's looking at, it looks at them as like this, almost like a nuisance. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. And so what I found is that in in all kinds of healing mm-hmm. or coaching, whether they're you know it's emotional or physical or spiritual or whatever, you know, psychoanalytical. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes by continuing to give weight to the the negatives, mm-hmm. to the problems and saying, Oh, how horrible they are, we have to get rid of them. We mm-hmm. have to get rid of the pain. We have to get rid of the physical pain. Mm-hmm. We have to get rid of the emotional pain. Those those bad emotions that you're feeling, they are bad. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're negative and we should try to squash them out. Yes. But as yours At all costs. Right, right. Whether through surgery or drugs or antipsychotic, mm-hmm. you know, medication or just numbing with alcohol mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. If that's the focus that that the negative emotions, the pains are the problem rather than the indicator that there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Then we run the risk of getting more unconscious, like you're saying, yes. and storing more, uh, a constellation of other issues around that, mm-hmm. that core, um, warning bell. Yes. Right.
0: Yeah. One of my mentors in coaching, he would always say that one of the biggest problems we have as humans is chronic dissociation, mm-hmm. like from our emotions. And, when I when I say, you know, listening to the emotions and all that and bringing the Zen element, it's not so much that Zen looks at emotions as like this grand thing. But what Zen is about is direct experience. And when you have a direct experience with your emotion, you can better understand the wisdom or the lessons or the messages that they're trying to to give you. They don't just come up randomly as this surface nuisance that you just need to kind of deal with. Uh, so that dissociation is let me address the symptoms. Let me address the feeling and look at it almost like it's bad. It's like you're having contempt for the actual feeling itself. And in judging that feeling, you judge yourself for having it. You don't let yourself feel that thing. And by not letting yourself feel that thing, you start to become dissociated from reality, from your own humanity. And it's almost like you get so invested in the individual experience or like the ego that you think that this thing that's happening in your body is separate from you. And it's something that you have to deal with where the reality is there needs to be some kind of a harmony and a reconnection with the entirety of your being. Kind of like you're saying how the mind and body are not a separate thing. Mind, body, soul is like all one being. Hmm. So I always, I always found that to be very interesting is like to pay attention to the direct experience. Don't just, you know, jump, jump, to conclusions for the symptom but actually find the cause of like where is this coming up
1: yes and that it seems like it takes that zen side of being present mm-hmm. just be present with what is yeah don't try to push away or do anything right right you're the human being not the human doing mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and if you can allow if a person can allow that negative emotion to exist in their body hmm Without pushing it away, and even if it's unpleasant, without judging it or criticizing it, yes, then they're less likely to go through that dissociative split. You mm-hmm. know? I, it's so interesting to me how often I hear clients talk about their physical pain as if you know it was the worst thing in the world. That mm-hmm. my back hurts, my you know my foot hurts. I wish my foot hurts so bad. I wish I could just cut it off. Right. <laughs> Which is like literally dissociative. Yes. You know, it, I don't want this to be part of me anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, you know, whereas if you, if we look at it, Oh, the pain is, Yes, you know, this is part of me mm-hmm. and it's trying to tell me something. Yes. Then we can reconnect with the, the intuitive, you know, awareness that the body has in it at all times. Mm-hmm. If, if my body hurts, I'm learning now. Mm-hmm. My body hurts. It hurts for a good reason.
0: Yes. It's right? trying to tell me something. Exactly. It's trying to give me a gift here.
1: It's it's like going to the mechanic and with a check engine line. And yeah. the mechanic says... I can fix that. No problem for you. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he cuts the wire that runs to the, the check engine <laughs> light. It's like no more check engine yeah, light. Exactly. Hey.
0: And I feel like that's what most people are doing Fixed with their it. emotions. Yeah. Like, yes. This doesn't feel good. It must be bad for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go ahead and try to turn it off or distract myself or push it away or throw it at somebody else. Mm-hmm. And we all know that those methods <laughs> don't really work. <laughs> they, well.
1: Yeah, Don't work the best. Yeah. yeah. But what I have found also is that when a person goes through those methods of trying Mm. to, yeah, like you're saying, project onto another person or Mm -hmm. numb or disassociate, um, you know, or fix, you know, the, the fix it mentality, Mm -hmm. the more a person pursues those, uh, those options, Mm -hmm. it usually gets better temporarily and then it gets way worse. Yes. And then if they continue not listening, it Mm -hmm. gets better for a little bit and then it gets way, way worse. So I'm not so concerned Uh, like I used to be about, Oh, these people are just, this person is just totally numbing themselves out and they're never going to heal. Eventually the pain signal is going to get loud enough where they can't deny it. And it's super uncomfortable. And, uh, the, the worst timing possible, like they're about to get married and their back goes out on them or whatever. Or like (laughs) they just started a new job and they, yeah. So the, the, um, the process of pain, Mm -hmm. Is in it is actually part of the healing process yes, so it's kind of what starts the cycle yeah, exactly exactly well I don't know I'm, maybe starting the cycle would be that original um, that original dissociation it's like mm-hmm. which I guess you're right that, that, that pain there's some pain that happened like I think about emotional pain mm-hmm. where say a person has siblings, yes, and their mother's overworked. Mm -hmm. And the dad's working all the time or flying and traveling and all of this. A child could perceive something so subtle Mm -hmm. as the mother checking out mentally and letting the kids run wild as mom doesn't love me. Yeah. And it's and if a kid learned that at three or four, then it's like the grain of sand. Mm-hmm. in the pearl or in the, in the clam. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually layers are start to form over that irritation. Yes. Right. There's a belief that's forming in those first seven years of life. That's, which is like mm-hmm. the root chakra level. Yes. You know, that's the imprinting age. Exactly. Like. <laughs> oh man. Like if you want to program a child, it's yeah, that's the, time, age, to that's to the time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like get them in Sunday school. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> So, um, you know, the, uh, that irritation, mm-hmm. In order, it's just like the clam, right? In order to not feel the irritation, it Mm -hmm. forms the pearl, right? It forms the pearl layer by layer by layer by layer. And eventually, you know, you're an adult and you've gotten, if you're a guy, you've gotten married, Mm -hmm. you know, and now you're traveling or whatever and mom's not available. So Mm -hmm. that it's the pearl of your irritation that's now being passed on to the next generation. Yes. So. So by releasing those stuck emotional patterns that are really old, we prevent the next generation from from getting them. That's right. A book that I'm really loving right now and has been uh, talked about a lot in these types of circles is It Didn't Start With You. Are you familiar with that book? I have not, but that title alone is very intriguing to me. Oh, (laughs) man. Oh, dude, you got to read it. It's by Mark Wolin. Mm Mm-hmm. He's a psychologist, and he's the uh, he's the director of the Family Constellation Institute. Mm-hmm. Have you heard anything about mm-hmm. family constellation?
0: No, that's a, that's that's interesting.
1: Though. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Um, the book it didn't start with you talks about the epigenetic um, passing on of traumas mm-hmm. to children and grandchildren, so that they can survive more effectively. Essentially, yes. right? That's the 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 central like the through line mm-hmm. of this trauma research is that we get traumatized and we respond to certain in a certain way Mm -hmm. and we pass that memory of a painful or unpleasant experience onto the next generation. So they don't have to go through the same pain that we did. Mm -hmm. So it's like the coping mechanism is passed epigenetically through just literally through the genetics from, from grandmother to mother to grandchild. Mm -hmm. And one thing that Mark Willen points out in the book is that, When you were, well, let's see. How does he say it? When your mother Mm -hmm. was an infant in utero in your grandmother's womb, Mm -hmm. at five months in utero, the egg that was going to become half of you Mm -hmm. was already in your mother's womb. Mm -hmm. So there's three generations, grandmother, mother, and you, all sharing the same environment, Mm -hmm. chemical, biological, emotional environment. So if your grandmother was being abused or it, there was war going on, which happens mm-hmm. uh, to be the case for a lot of us.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, a, a lot this, of our, our grandparents were alive during World War II. Exactly.
1: So. <laughs> exactly. Literally a world war, mm-hmm. you know, your whole country, especially in America, well, everywhere, but in America, it's like your whole country is mobilized overseas. Yeah. And it's like, so a lot of people were in massive fear. Oh, yeah. Know, the world. Ending. Consistently. Yeah. Consistently for years. Mm hmm. And so in that environment, your grandmother may have developed certain coping mechanisms, you Mm -hmm. know, of being extremely hardworking and stoic and don't let your emotions show. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is something like that can be passed on.
0: Right. And those coping mechanisms while they worked at the time are not necessarily optimized for today or for the individual that you are.
1: Right. It's like the blood sugar problem Mm -hmm. nowadays, right? It's like your ancestors would have, if they found honey, mm-hmm. they would have eaten all the honey. All of it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, cause it's not, we're not staying around. So that might've happened once every, you know, six months you find mm-hmm. a hive full of honey and eat it. Or maybe there's some berries that are kind of sweet, mm-hmm. you know? So, but our genetics now haven't turned around quick enough. Mm-hmm. So we've got sugar on every corner. Yes. And readily available. Uh, and we are still programmed to eat as much of it as we can because That's it's right. so good. It's like, this is life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, the coping mechanism that helps our ancestors survive, mm-hmm. eat as much as you can in a sitting, mm-hmm. is not optimal for today's environment. Right. And so that's why it takes a lot it's of... it's so abundant. Exactly. So why it takes so much awareness. And, and similarly, it takes so much awareness to heal those those old patterns. Mm-hmm. So uh, a technique that I like to use in my coaching practice is sort of a form of emotional body work. Mm-hmm. Cause I think there's so much that can be learned from from the embodied yes embodiment mm-hmm. um, is I'll lay a person on their back usually and set the you know set make a setting that's mm-hmm. comfortable enough for them to relax in if they have any pain in their body, I may work on that a little bit mm-hmm. just to get it to a place where they're not they're not in active pain right, maybe cover them up with a blanket, soft lights, no mm-hmm. music or anything just quiet mm. Mm-hmm. And I'll instruct them to just breathe into their, their belly, Di- mm-hmm. diaphragmatic breathing, expanding the rib cage and relax, mm-hmm. expanding the rib cage and relax. And we'll do that for a few minutes and I'll be maybe holding their head or holding a different acupressure point on a, you know, a certain meridian that, um, that I'm using to get a particular result mm-hmm. in their nervous system. Yes. And then when they're starting to calm down, I know, we already are both aware myself and the client are aware that they're working with some kind of issue, you know, whether it's an emotional issue, physical pain, a relationship challenge, something like that. And we will have already talked about the emotions that they're experiencing. At that point, I'll ask them to bring that emotion up Mm. in their body. Right. I'll say just offering them whenever you're ready, bring up this emotion Mm -hmm. and allow it to express itself wherever you feel it in your body. Yes. And you don't have to tell me you can, if you want to, mm-hmm. but just feel it. And so there's that zen Zen side, just mm-hmm. allowing it to be present yeah. in the body. So somebody might feel their like repressed rage or something, you know, mm-hmm. in their, in their, the pit of their stomach, mm-hmm. they feel a burning in the pit of their stomach or like a heaviness around their pelvis or something mm-hmm. that, like that. There's a lot, there's some common themes that you see in where people hold, yes. hold tension, but wherever it is for them, it doesn't really matter. Mm hmm. Allowing them to experience it in a safe place is the most important thing. Yes, and so I'm allowing them to bring that up in the space that we've created together. Their nervous system's relaxed, and so understandably, there's going to be a, you know, a bit of a spike in the nervous system. Yes. Right? They're going to they're going to bring up that that emotion and sit with it, and that's going to cause some discomfort and some unpleasantness. Mm-hmm. Usually. And, uh, and so the whole time I'm with them, instructing them to breathe, once again, working on the acupuncture meridians, doing whatever I need to do to, to, to keep um, their their body regulated. Mm-hmm. After a little bit of that, I'll ask them to bring up a positive emotion that we've discussed. Or, a ple- or if, maybe not positive, but I usually use pleasant, you know, the word pleasant. Yeah, I,
0: I, I also use the word pleasant. I don't yeah. use positive and negative to describe emotions because that would indicate that. Some of them are good and some of them are bad.
1: Which is exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And so I'll have them bring up that pleasant emotion that we, we've we already discussed mm-hmm. and have them spend some time feeling that in their body. Mm. And once again, they don't have to describe it to me if they don't want to. Just feeling it, allowing it to, to be. Mm-hmm. And then there's usually a component of a guided meditation where those two disharmonious mm-hmm. elements, you know, this un- very unpleasant and pleasant emotion, mm-hmm. you know, rage and love. I asked them to bring them, bring both of those emotions and be aware of them at the same time in their body mm-hmm. and allow them to hold hands and to yes. mix to realize that they're part of the same being. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Neither one's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, we'll go through some more breath work, more pressure point type work have them expand to hold in their breath to hold both of those emotions and with the exhale release both mm. so that they realize that the polarity is really it's only part of the equation really yes. the wholeness it's it's all one thing happening right mm. the the unpleasantness and the pleasantness are two sides of the same coin yes so i try to give people that embodied sense of being able to lo- one locate the the feelings mm-hmm. right in their body and at the same time, release those feelings. Yes, right, and not attach so hard to those feelings. Mm-hmm. Know that you can you can find any um, any space that feels safe enough or comfortable enough. You can lie on your back in a dark room or in your bed in the morning before you get up, and mm-hmm. you can do the same exercise. Just feel what it feels like in your body. Like mm-hmm. it's an experiment. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what I do. You know, I'll just lay. I'll wake up in the morning, and I may go lay down on the couch. And I'll just sit and breathe. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens to come up, I try the best I can to feel it in my body somewhere. Because then I have a concrete sense of the place. Yeah, you you bring it into the physical. Exactly. Which is, you know, you bring it into the physical and you can interact with it. Mm -hmm. So the body's the the most finely tuned tool for this kind of process. It'll tell you everything. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's wise beyond our comprehension. Yes. So... Giving, you know, giving exercises like that where a person can work through their own emotional um, blocks, mm-hmm. their own physical blocks, because it works the same for physical pain. Yeah. It really does. They can bring that up and release it, bring it up and release it. But mm-hmm. understanding that positive and negative, pleasant, unpleasant, light, dark, you know, depressed, mm-hmm. overjoyed yeah. are, are opposite polarities, which are so – you have to have – those polarities. And that,
0: well, they give meaning to each other, right? And they're they're completely interdependent. Like you don't know what is pleasant if you, unless you know what unpleasant is, certainly, and vice versa. So it's what's interesting is that obviously the unpleasant seems to get our attention much more because mm. uh, it doesn't feel good. Yes. <laughs> so it's almost like we feel the sense of expediency of trying to get rid of it, um, which is actually like one of the. The delusional intentions of Zen Stoicism that the philosophy is based on is uh, is expediency, and there are intentions that align you with humanity, and then intentions that put you into a place of delusion. And one of those delusional intentions is when you intend expediency ahead of anything you do, and the premise of that is that you are trying as fast as you can to move from unpleasant to pleasant by whatever means necessary. So you start you create a bridge and that bridge can look can be anything. It can be scrolling through your phone. It can be eating. It can be drinking. It could be sugar. I mean, it could be posting on Instagram and waiting for the likes and the comments to come in. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Could be working. Could be working, yeah, absolutely. And whatever you're using as a bridge is preventing you from having direct experience because you're intending expediency Mm. rather than embracing the feeling that's coming in and just sitting with it because you can influence how you feel. You can't control your actual emotions. You can communicate with them, you can harmonize with them, but if you try to control them through expediency and these different ways of getting away from it, you end up sustaining it over time by mm. shoving it back down. So what's interesting is like, you allow somebody to see that these are two, they're not separate from each other. They're both part of each other and understanding that they... They have the capacity to feel both of these things. I'm sure allows them to feel more compassion for other people who are in these unpleasant or undesirable states of being (laughs) rather than just writing them off and being like, Oh, this person's being an asshole. Right. But instead being able to actually like appreciate by understanding that they too have the capacity to feel what that person might be expressing at that moment.
1: Mm. What do you think the, the benefit or the value of compassion is and like it, I, I was thinking about compassion on the way over here mm-hmm. and then when i when i tell people what i do or people ask what i do mm-hmm. i definitely do body work like i definitely fix stuff you know yes. I like you know fixing problems and making making people feel better mm-hmm. I, I just really like helping people mm-hmm. and i love the process of compassion yes of really taking the time and the presence to understand where somebody's at Mm -hmm. and actually caring about them. Like I really care when you're on my table, Victor, I really care about you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not thinking about the money that I am going to be making from the session Mm -hmm. or how much money I should have made from that session, but the person didn't show up Mm. or the, you know, the relationship challenge I'm working through at home. You know, I, my goal with, the people that show up to work with me mm-hmm. is to be right there with them and and not just see them as a client or and a, like we were saying a problem to be fixed, mm-hmm. but someone I genuinely care about. Yes. So, I know you have some experience with this, but in your in your business, your line of work, and even your personal life, what role does compassion play for you?
0: So, this is a. It's maybe a bit of a long winded answer, but this is the (laughs) the best I can explain it. Go for it. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I think uh, we're going to get very meta for a moment, but I think all of us individually sometimes forget who and what we are and why we're here. And on a individual intellectual level, I don't think any of us know what we're doing. (laughs) Like anybody who tries to, I guess, tell you that they're certain about this is what life is about and this is the meaning, this is, you know, this is the right thing, these are the wrong things. I think they're just trying to sell you something or they're just trying to convince themselves that this is the thing that I can attach to and hang on to. So I think what compassion does is as human beings, alone and isolated, we're very, very vulnerable. The only reason that I believe we've been able to evolve into what we are today as far as from as far as from perfection our species is there's still been some pretty amazing and revolutionary like advancements that we've had as a species and i believe that compassion is realizing that we all have the capacity to feel afraid to feel alone to feel down to feel inadequate And it's recognizing that when you see that in someone else, like you realize that I too feel what you feel. I know what this feels like and I'm not there right now, but you are and I'm going to be here present with you and help you get to where you're not feeling that anymore. Mm -hmm. And that can come in many different forms that can come in, you know, helping somebody, an elderly person walk across the street or that can come into just lending an ear and listening to somebody vent their problems and give them that sense of compassion, speak to that better part of them or that stronger part that maybe you're embodying in that moment and they're not accessing. Hmm. So I think it's, it's how we as human beings, it's, it's directly tied to our nature. It's like we feel good when we help others because it's tied to our survival and also our evolution to our growth. So that's my long winded (laughs) answer to that.
1: I think that's, I think that's so great. Um, Compassion, right? Calm together, yes. right? Passion, feel right to <laughs> yes. feel together, yes. And so, compassion is that binding force, right? Yes. But it, it kind of like we started the discussion out. You know, pain is what brings compassion, right? Because if I know what it means to hurt mm-hmm. in any sense of the word, and I see so, then when I see someone else mm-hmm. in pain, I understand. Yes, I have a deep understanding of how bad that hurts that you're feeling over Mm -hmm. there. You know that that feeling of um, being rejected, you know, or being abandoned, or not being enough, Mm -hmm. or um, being afraid that that if I don't take this job, then I'll be a failure, or that my parents Mm -hmm. won't love me anymore, or whatever. Like there's this there's this common thread Mm -hmm. of people, like you're saying, not wanting to be alone. Like being alone Mm -hmm. is not a very survivable situation. No, (laughs) not not as a human. (laughs) I think we all share that common fear. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're right. I think compassion gives us that. um, It gives us an avenue for connection. Yes. Right. Through shared pain. It's like, that's right. Misery loves company. Yes. And that phrase is used usually when um, people are complaining,
0: you know, (laughs) they're trying to, to bring, you know, bring you down into their pain rather than ask you for help. With that pain. And there's there's I mean, it's it's not unfair for somebody to become cynical in, I think, our existence and what we got going on. But it doesn't help.
1: No, No, though, I will say that that's a person's best effort at um, asking for help. Yeah, They're trying to bring, bring you down into the pain yeah. because they don't know how to ask for help. Right. right and
0: they think that, oh, let me just try to confirm what I think is right. Cause that'll give mm-hmm. me some certainty over this very uncertain experience of being a human being. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it just compassion really reminds other people that like, Hey, I like, you're not alone in this. Yeah. Like, I know you're scared. I know you're fearful. You're sad, whatever it is that you're feeling right now, but you're not alone. Like I'm here. And that level of presence, it can't be faked. Like, I know, I don't know how to necessarily pinpoint it, but it's something that you could just feel like when somebody is genuinely being compassionate and when they're actually not being compassionate, but acting as if, as kind of like a guise to conceal their sense of superiority. Mm. Like, oh, I'm here helping you. Yes. So you should be grateful to me, (laughs) like that. That holier than thou mentality, I think, is felt instantly and has an opposite effect to to compassion. I think it estranges us from other people.
1: I think so too, and it leads to distrust. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that superiority complex is always. An inferiority complex, right. really, right? It's, yes, exactly. You know,
0: it's, so. it's trying to cover up that feeling or that emotion. It's yeah. like, well, if I feel inadequate or inferior, I think what I'll do is I'll be arrogant or I'll be superior. Or maybe I'll, I'll be holier than the person next to me and like be their savior. And thus, I will reassure myself of my own existence.
1: Yeah, which is really the the same pattern of not wanting to be alone. Yeah. it it all kind of comes comes
0: back to that it's like I feel alone I feel isolated and I think um, a lot of people like we're talking about this with emotions but I also look at this with with the concept of the ego because I feel like there's a lot of um, philosophical schools of thought uh, stoicism included Um, there's also a lot of spiritual schools of thought that look at the ego like this bad thing yeah like it's terrible like blah blah it's the enemy there's some books written on this and it's like I don't think that's an accurate way to look at it. I think the ego is just like another sensation that you have, like your sense of smell, but maybe it's just a little bit more complicated than that. Maybe, yeah. And to me, at least the way that I've kind of identified this in coaching and everything is that the ego is the measuring and the assessment of the individual experience, but it is not the individual experience. It just, measures and assesses where it is and what what what's happening relative to others you
1: yeah, right filters right yeah
0: but if you get too invested into the filter it's the whole idea of you know don't miss the moon by concentrating at the finger pointing at the moon mm-hmm. and the ego is just pointing at our individual experience but it's not our individual experience but to demonize this thing the measuring mechanism i think puts us in a very disconnected state because then it makes us Number one, I think the biggest ego trip is getting rid of your ego as <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people. They like to use that as like the grand, uh, feat that you can have it's as a human right. being.
1: I'm going to destroy my ego. Yeah, it's like, like, ah, you already lost. Yeah, exactly. Your ego's doing that. Like I've gotten over my <laughs>
0: ego. be like, okay, well, who do you think is praising yourself for? <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: exactly. yeah, So I think it, it's another one of those things that like, if we judge it, then we can never, uh, acknowledge or honor or even become present to what its function is supposed to be. And I think it gives us our own individual experience. It's kind of how I know not to raise my glass of water to your mouth. (laughs) And I know to raise it to my own because there is that individual experience. And like in anything else, I think if we demonize that, if we become over-invested in that, then we'll start to experience separation as a byproduct.
1: Yeah, there's a certain... Spiritual bypassing, right? That yeah, you become too invested in losing, losing the individuality in the sense of self that you lose the the polarity that it takes to make love. Right? Yes, to, you know. So it's if if I'm separate en- enough from you, mm-hmm. but that I can perceive you as other, then I can love you. But to the degree that I eventually separate, that I lose that faculty mm-hmm. uh, of of the ego. Or I get too far into it, then there's there's just too much distance. There's either yes. too much distance where I can't connect with you. Or there we're too close and I can't love you. Yes. You know? So so I think that's what this whole um Sort of new movement of thought in terms of setting healthy boundaries is mm-hmm. boundaries that flex and move a little bit, yeah. but are pretty steady. You yeah, know? not
0: made of concrete,
1: but <laughs> yes. yes, but not made of like air either. Yes, you know? exactly. So yeah,
0: I think it's yeah. the whole concept of the middle way.
1: Absolutely right. Like, yeah, right. This, this principle applies everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as much of a balance of yin and yang as you can get. Yes, right. It's never perfect, right? Because mm-hmm. perfection means that the, the growth process is stopped. Yes. So there is a necessary imbalance. Mm-hmm. But if we can, as you say, cling to that middle way, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and stay on the razor's edge, right? Mm-hmm. What the Buddha was trying to say. Yes. You know? And if we can do that, then our lives become a lot more harmonious. And if we hold that middle way within ourselves, then people that come to us for help... Mm-hmm are more able to perceive that and they can find their own center. That's right. Which is, would you say that that's sort of the purpose of your coaching? It's like holding a center for people.
0: I would say that uh, that's, that's definitely fair to say is like helping somebody bring themselves back to center because whether they're aligned with their humanity or they're aligned with delusion, I think they can reach their center either way. Like, I don't think it's, um, necessarily like one side versus another side but more kind of circular like you can you can try going so far off into being righteous and virtuous that you actually end up being delusional and you can go so so far off into delusion that your delusions fail on you and you actually end up finding some form of enlightenment or insight Mm. so i think it could be reached in either way but the more painful route is that of delusion (laughs) <laughs> There's a lot of unnecessary suffering right, that comes sure. with that.
1: Which is fine. Like yes. You say it works.
0: Yes, but, but whatever will get somebody back to their center, I think, is, is the key. Like, whatever method they, they choose to take or they feel is necessary for them. Some people feel like they need to go through pain yeah. and suffering. And that's their journey. Like,
1: yeah, isn't it so important to allow people to have their journey? Yeah. yeah. And their process and to pick who they want to work with. You know, yeah, know, it's exactly. like maybe as a coach or a therapist, I'm not the best therapist or coach for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe Victor's your guy like, I don't know, or vice versa. Yeah. And so we all come to it in different ways, but it's like Ramda says, we're all just walking each other home.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a, a great way to put it. Um, I want to, I want to make sure that we, we include this topic in our conversation. Cause I know we were discussing it before. Sure. Um, so this is going to be a bit of a hard pivot here. That's fine. <laughs> um, but, you have a background in martial arts, mm. and something that has been a huge pillar in my life is, is martial arts. Like, it's shaped a lot of who I am and how I think. What, what's been your background in martial arts, and how has it played into your way of thinking and being in the world?
1: I started practicing Kukseul Wan, mm-hmm. which is a tra- traditional Korean martial art. Mm-hmm. So, actually, the national mar- martial art of Korea. Really? Uh, and a lot of people aren't familiar with it mm-hmm. because it's not um, advertised widely. Right. It's actually the largest martial arts organization that's run by one person. who's still alive. He created, oh, wow. He created it. Uh, his name is uh, Sa, mm-hmm. and his title is Kuxanim, so uh, the grandmaster of mm-hmm. Kuxul. He lives in Houston, and so the, the world headquarters for Kuxul are in Houston. And I've had the great honor and pleasure of practicing Kuxul in San Marcos for the last 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, on so and been... off. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I trained a lot on my own as I was traveling and, you know, mm-hmm. in Nebraska and Colorado and all over the place. But for about four years consistently while I was in college, I practiced. And then since 20, the, let's see late 2016, mm-hmm. um, I've been training with my teacher and mm. there's been, as you know, in the martial arts path, there's a lot of painful lessons. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> but it's through through that process of learning what's contracted, what's tight, what doesn't work well, what's mm-hmm. not coordinated, and harmonizing that part with the rest of you mm-hmm. and with your mind. It's yes. The, it's the mind and body connection, once again, that's the the takeaway from martial art. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's a very practical, step by step structured method mm-hmm. for unifying mind and body. Yes. So, the spontaneous movement of martial art mm-hmm. in in application, yes, is and by by no means am I like a world expert on this at all. Right? <laughs> There's so many wonderful martial artists. and Certainly, yes. my teacher and his teacher, uh, you know, would be, uh, be able be able to articulate this a lot better than me. But what it seems like is, if you ever need. Mm-hmm to apply what you've learned in martial art, it comes out without you thinking. Yes. Which is that Zen mind, right? That no mind. Yes. Yeah. So spontaneous action with no forethought, or I I forget who, who who said it. It might've been Bruce Lee, but he, where he said, I act and decide how to act in the same moment. Yes. Like, you know? Yeah. And, and that's,
0: that, that's the Zen style of action is both action and decision at the same time. Yes. In that moment. And I notice, and I'm, I'm sure you've had this experience too. I think we talked about it um when I was doing my session with you, but the, the times where you get hurt when practicing martial arts is when you're not present,
1: you're not present.
0: And you might have a moment where you just think about something else. And that's the moment you hit, you get an injury.
1: Absolutely. And by contrast, I've never been injured when I was fully present. Mm-hmm. Never, <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. once. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a live live action opportunity to be present. That's right, because <laughs> With
0: real consequences you will feel it <laughs> yes. if you are not present. Exactly.
1: Yes. yes. So uh, martial arts been critical to my development. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be a therapist or a coach if I if it wasn't for martial arts.
0: Really? So what yeah. what got you into martial arts initially?
1: You know, I had just gotten into college and. A neighbor in the same apartment complex that I was in mm-hmm. had his uniform on yeah, and he was going to class. And at the time I was kind of unhealthy and overweight and mm. like not feeling great in my body. And I just started learning about this health stuff. Yes. And I asked him, Hey man, what are you doing? You know? And he said, Oh, I'm going to cook practice. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, do you think I could try it? And he said, yeah, just grab a pair of shorts. Like if you got time, like, yeah, go and come train for an hour, you know, and see if you like it. And um, so I was introduced to my my teacher uh, mm-hmm. at that practice, and the first practice I was hooked. I mean, I got like yeah. <laughs> electric sensations through my whole body. I'm like yeah, doing this. That's it. And I came in <laughs> wanting to learn. I said I wanted to learn MMA. You know, I mm. want to learn how to fight. Yes, because I was still split, right? But mm-hmm. what I didn't realize was that. Um, what I really wanted was to have structure and discipline mm-hmm. and have a practice that I could apply myself to consistently and not be bored with. Yes. And which is, I found that and so much more in, mm-hmm. in the practice. So I, I, even though I was an athlete growing up, I can't say that I was very body aware mm-hmm. really. Um, like I was saying earlier, kind of clumsy, you mm-hmm. know, and would get injured a lot. It wasn't until I started practicing cook consistently that I got a real, Awareness of my body, what it can do, and definitely what it can't do. Mm -hmm. um, In terms of what angles it it moves in or doesn't move in, and um, as I started, as as I continue learning, Mm -hmm. I learned both how those angles can be used for healing or for destruction. Right, it's two sides of the same coin. You know, we learn how how to apply these techniques for self defense. Generally speaking, but the same pressure points, the same locks, the same stretches can all be used to heal the body. And arguably, that's the more important lesson. Yes. I think that's the more important of lesson. Of course, yeah. Right? Especially
0: like that's, it seems like that's what you're you're made for. Yes. And that's like, that's become your journey, your whole ethos
1: mm-hmm. to life. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That anything that was destructive, whether it be an emotion or mm-hmm. a movement or whatever, can be used to heal. Yes. And also to help others heal mm. right so if I and, and what I'm realizing with the martial art training is that if I know my body mm-hmm. and I know what my body can and can't do and what it feels like when it's stretched too far yes or when it's locked up in the wrong way then I have a direct experience of what that's like mm-hmm. for you yes you know and I can get pretty pretty bang on close yes <laughs> you know? and knowing
0: exactly how it feels
1: exactly and if if I know how it feels in me and I can resolve it in me, then resolving it for you or helping you resolve it is much smoother. Yes. So, um, I don't think I would have even had the inclination or the insight to be a therapist if it wasn't for that body awareness. Hmm. So I have to, it's pretty amazing. It is. I have, I have to express as much gratitude as I've got and more. Yes. um, Uh, I'm curious.
0: What, uh, what role does, you're saying that some of the same pressure points and the same movements can be used in combat versus used to to heal. Mm. What role does your intention play in that?
1: I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. Consciousness is the, as you're saying, the ego is like the filtering structure. Mm-hmm. You know, consciousness and intention is where you're directing the focus of your mind. Yes. So as you know, in martial arts, it takes one pointed focus. Mm-hmm. which is exactly here, right here, right now, my body, the terrain, the person, one-pointed focus. Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about other things. Mm -hmm. So if say you're laying on the table, Mm -hmm. and I have all of these lenses and frameworks with which to look at the body. I can look at your body from a muscular standpoint. I can look at it from uh, an acupressure meridian standpoint. Mm -hmm. I can look at it from a lymphatic standpoint. Standpoint. I can look at it from an emotional standpoint. Mm-hmm. All of these layers, right? They stack on top of one another. Mm-hmm. And because I've been curious enough to explore all of these different layers within myself mm-hmm. and have read enough on the subject and expanded that breadth of knowledge enough that if I intend... Say your elbow's hurting. Mm-hmm. If I intend... To help you fix your elbow, it's just like that martial arts application, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about it. Yes, I have the background, right? Yes. I understand what the pressure you have points. The training to. exactly. I have the training. I've spent enough time focusing on it that I don't have to get too intellectual about it now, mm-hmm. right? So if I know how a pressure point moves the body intuitively, without actually having to think about it, mm-hmm. intuitively I know how it's hel- it helps to heal someone. Yes, right. And so I'm seeing all of these layers at once. Mm. If I'm looking at your elbow. And what I notice is that the intention is to help. Yes. Right. The intention is to heal. If that intention is held at the highest, then the lenses that I need will come out spontaneously. Mm. So a lot of people actually just have a muscular problem. Hmm. Like they've been typing at their desk for too long. Yes. And just in one position. It's just long. in one position for too long. And it's just a muscular fix. Mm -hmm. and they need to learn how to get better ergonomics Mm -hmm. and drink more water, you know. So, and that can often be sufficient to heal the problem, and that's enough learning for them. That's the learning that they need. Mm -hmm. You know, by contrast, it might not be a a muscular problem. It it may be through my talking with this person that I realize that they're incredibly stressed. Mm. Not only are they, you know, having trouble at work, you know, when they're at this desk for 10 hours a day doing real estate, you yes. know, sales or whatever, calling people back and not getting mm-hmm. any responses because the Austin real estate market's so crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, spontaneously, because I've tried to establish a rapport with them, they they share that they're going through some struggles at home mm. or whatever. The lens that I need to maybe look at this, through is the emotional lens, you know, and the energetic lens. Yes. And so I'll think about that spot on their elbow that hurts more in terms of an acupressure meridian, right? Mm. Or more in terms of, well, what side of the body is that on? What emotional pattern could be causing that? Yes. And as I'm treating it, like I'm still going to treat the soft tissue because mm-hmm. that's what I'm licensed to do and that's what I like to do. And mm-hmm. I like to work with the body, yes, with my hands, yes. you know. I'm going to do that regardless. But as I'm working on those areas, I'll just ask questions and I'll say, you know, in my experience, this this part of the body has to do with this emotional pattern. Does that resonate for you? Do you mm-hmm. have anything going on like that? Mm. Like the people with the foot issue, you know? Yes. Do you have any, anything that's holding you back from transitioning into your new mm-hmm. your new part of life? And, you know, they either say yes or no. If it's no, it's no. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind if the answer is no. And it's just a lens that I'm trying to use to help. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I notice with, and this is a really long answer to your question. No, it's a good answer. But... <laughs> but but if my intention is to help, mm-hmm. and I bring in a certain lens, and it doesn't help, I'll discard it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I have no attachment to it. Yeah, right. I'm not so so attached to the method as I am to uh, to the process. You know, yes. the process of healing. It's like, okay, well, maybe this person's super stressed, and they're not open to talking about emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Like, well, yes. I'll address it through the bodywork side. You mm-hmm. know. Um, I'll talk more about physiology, and I'll talk about how stress affects the circadian rhythm, and how their hormones might be off, and Mm -hmm. you know why that's keeping their elbow from healing.
0: Yes, but if the intention is to help, then that's that's where it's kind of changes everything. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That's why it's such an individual process. Mm. Like, it's hard to take somebody a, a unique individual. Yes. Through a five-step healing process. And I'm yes. going to do this and this and this and this and this, and they're going to be better. Mm. You know, As soon as a person, uh, especially a healer of any kind starts thinking in protocols, mm-hmm. they limit themselves greatly in terms of their ability to help because they're not reacting spontaneously to the or responding. Yes. To what the person needs in that moment.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That also happens in coaching. Like if you think like, Oh, I got this great coaching strategy or this method that, you know, has worked for like the last five people and I need, I need to make it work with you too. And you forget about actually helping them and hearing them and understanding them. Like you lose it. Yeah. Like your intentions in the wrong place. It's in like performing versus being sincere with this person Mm -hmm. and just sincerely helping them Yes, for no other reason other than to help them not to prove that something works.
1: Yeah. I'm a firm believer that when people come to work with me, they get results, more because of my intention to help than because of any technique that i use
0: i mean i can attest to that as well man like yeah. i've done body work before and it was wildly painful the first time i did it like a few years ago oh. um where i was at emotionally and the connection that i had with the person doing it was not it wasn't bad but it's it's not like they were really present and intending on help me it was just kind of like a spontaneous, like my friend happened to be doing a body work appointment and he brought me along and I got one too. It's like that the vibe was not there. The intention wasn't there. The connection wasn't there. And one thing that I think is really unique about the way that you do work is that you were not putting, you weren't putting light pressure no, <laughs> on me at not all, at all. <laughs> not even close. And somehow uh, I went in there expecting it to hurt like horribly and it really wasn't that bad like yeah. <laughs> the pain sure. at least sure but the result was was astronomical
1: and i think that comes from that presence once yeah. again you know if it's like the middle way not too much not too little yeah you know it's going to be hard pressure and it's mm-hmm. going to be some work you know but if i can establish a connection with you i can be present with you help you understand that i'm actually i'm here to help yes you know and i'm not here to hurt you
0: Right, and I'm sure there's uh, hopefully there's not too many, but I'm sure there's body workers that every now and then are like, oh, my stuff is so good, and you're gonna know it because of how much it hurts. It's yes, like,
1: it's actually really common. Uh, yeah, which it, which it, is it, crazy because it's crazy, <laughs> and, it's, and it's it's super common in all. Uh, healthcare modalities yes. because, like we're talking about, it's that superiority inferiority thing. It's mm-hmm. like I am a badass healer, right? I'm I'm gonna heal you. Mm-hmm. I you are coming to me for help, right? I have the white coat on, or I have the license, or whatever. So I'm
0: gonna be the one to do it, and like. I'm sure that throws it off completely. I think the same thing happens in like personal training. It's like, you're going to know how good a personal trainer I am because of how much I kick your ass during this session, how sore you are. It's like, really? Is that, is that the the demonstration of effectiveness?
1: Uh, Sure.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, I do, I do some corrective exercise coaching with people and, you know, as part of the process if they need it. And it's like more often than not, they just need to like lay on a foam roller Mm -hmm. for 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, like they don't don't need to do heavy reps of stuff. Right. And I, you know, I don't really like spending time in a gym, so maybe I'm biased, but if, you know, if a person really wants to get well, they have to spend more time on that inside than Mm -hmm. you know, relaxing, unwinding all these old patterns. And then I'd be happy to send them to a personal trainer who wants to work them out hard. But Once they're aligned. Yeah.
0: When they, when their body is, has the capacity to do that without further hurting or injuring itself.
1: Totally. And like you know, putting all the pieces together, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe they have this unresolved guilt and shame that collapses their ability to breathe, and so they can't breathe effectively. Mm-hmm. Now they're lifting heavy weight with you know, doing a back squat, they're trying yeah. to breathe with their neck muscles, yeah. You know, We're and not, it's just like not,
0: not creating that compression that protects their spine, exactly. Yeah.
1: And so, that's an excellent, excellent time to get injured. Yeah, <laughs> <So> it's like <laughs> you can really hurt yourself if you don't resolve that stuff. So, yes, I as a therapist despite loving the heroic fix it stuff, somebody, you know, tweaks their neck really bad or, you know, blows out their back and they can't walk very well. Mm-hmm. As much as I love being able to get them off the table and have them walk again. Mm-hmm. I so, so prefer preventative work. Yes. <laughs> <Like> it's <laughs> so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And it,
0: it was, it was interesting though with the preventative work is that in some people's lives, I know in my own, like I can attest to this, it's not that valuable until you've had enough pain and that your old values of I'll just push through it have failed you. Yes, <laughs> And then you're like, okay, I, I'll do the preventative
1: I work. I should do some preventative yeah. work or, you know, rehab work is yeah. usually what it is. It's like, right.
0: I literally now uh, actually since our session, I literally start the day and end the day with some kind of stretching or trigger points, something that is loosening and, relieving my muscles of their stress and tension yeah morning and night like that's how I start the day it's how I end the day and I do it because I've gotten to I think I've hit a threshold where I'm like it's not okay not to do this right now (laughs) like I don't want to get back to where I was
1: absolutely and what that's going to do for you Mm -hmm. is it's going to severely reduce the need for me which is as a therapist is my goal yeah it's, it's I love you, man, as, but I, I don't want to see you very much. Yeah, as a, you know, as a coach, it's the same thing yeah. for me.
0: I'm like, listen, I did my job. If you don't need me by the time we're done, yes, exactly. You know, rather than you know be the the type of coach or professional that just like wants to keep you in yeah. a subscription of some sort for the sake of making money, right? Like it's your intentions once again in that in that scenario are in the wrong place.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's like if somebody genuinely needs me and they're willing to pay the money for it, it's like I'm fine with that, but. It's my goal to get you, you know, through it, grown and healed mm-hmm. and self-sufficient as quickly as possible. A hundred percent. And, um, and then you can pass the gift on to somebody else, Yeah, you know, or like, uh, like your friend who sent you in, you know, uh, she got a good, good result and, you know, doesn't need me a whole lot oh, except yeah. for just preventative maintenance. Yeah. You, you came you know, very that's...
0: highly recommended from <laughs> yeah, her. <laughs> yeah, Actually, yeah. Like,
1: you have to go see it. <laughs> yeah. She just got back from a long, uh, Long running trip and that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so she came in for some maintenance. Actually, just uh, let's see, what's today? Thursday. Mm-hmm. She came in Tuesday. So oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's great because as as you know, as a coach, mm-hmm. word of mouth is the best indication that you're doing your job. Right, hundred um, percent. You're doing it well.
0: Yeah the the entire division of Zen Stokes coaching in 2020 and like even to this day, I haven't run, run a single ad or marketing campaign for it. It's all been word of mouth. And that was not always the case. I had tried and failed with running ads to get people enrolled in coaching. And the moment I started focusing on them, I'm here to help this person. I'm here to understand them. I'm here to hear them out, make them feel heard, understood. And, help them solve this problem to the point where they don't need me. They'll have that sense of unshakable inner peace. They'll know what to do in these situations. The moment I put that as my intention, that's when my business completely turned around and operated completely on referrals and mm-hmm. does to this day. That's great. And it's because of exactly what you're saying. It's like, I'm here with you. I want to make it so that you don't have to come back to me. Right. Right. And it sounds counterintuitive from a business perspective of like, oh, well, why wouldn't you want them to keep paying you? It's like, no, like I'm going to give them the result that they came here for and that's yes. it, like, that's and, where I'm at.
1: And give them the tools that they need to keep it going. Right,
0: exactly, so that yeah. they're self-sustaining, self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Because then you, you get out of that mindset of trying to take care of yourself or trying to prop them up for a future sale. Yes. Yeah, and instead you actually help them. So before we wrap up, Jason, my last question for you, I asked this question like a different variation to to people, but you've clearly learned a lot. There's been a lot of experience, a lot of pain, a lot of uh, mistakes made, solutions, things that you've done right, all, all these kinds of things that led to the wisdom that allows you to live the life that you live today and to help people. If you were to lose everything except for one principle that you had to kind of use to kind of bring it all back or to get yourself back on track? What would that principle be?
1: It's a great question. The first thing that came to my mind was integrity, Mm. personal integrity. Yes. And which is really just making sure that your mind and your body are in the same place. Yes. (laughs) And not split, right? If I can bring, if I can bring those aspects of myself, mind, body and soul together in one in, in one process, mm-hmm. I know that'll guide me where I need to go, even if I don't know what the outcome is. That's right.
0: Yeah. Beautiful, man. I Integrity is, I mean, it's a lot of what we've been talking about today, and it's such an important lesson and concept for a person to have and maintain. Like, if you don't know what to do, if in a situation, if you feel lost, I think if you point to integrity with whatever you're doing, you'll be all right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's probably not going to turn out the way that you thought it would. But that's right. You'll you'll end up in the right
0: place. Well, yeah, the funny thing about integrity is that even if you don't get what you want, you still feel like you've won.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. That, and that's very much a stoic view, of, yeah. you know, right? Exactly. It's like I did I did what I came here to do. That's right, you know. That's right. Damn and the like consequences. <laughs> exactly.
0: So Jason, um uh, thank you so much for being on the the Zen Stoic path. Where can people find you if they want to, you know, learn more about the work that you do, if they're interested in working with you, or if they're in this area and they want to get some body work done, where, where can they find?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as far as, um, more information on me, it's not a lot, but I am online at Jason Brazil underscore LMT Mm -hmm. on Instagram. And my website is explorationsinhealth.com. So you can find my contact information address and stuff there. Um, if you're in the Austin area, Mensch Method Bodywork is a great place to find me. I'm there a few days a week, and I live in San Marcos, Texas, which is a really short drive from either San Antonio or Austin. Um, if you want to do more of the coaching stuff, that's that's where you can find me. I also do some remote stuff, though I have to say I really uh, prefer in-person work, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody was coming out of town or, you know, or was coming into town for the day, mm-hmm. um, I would recommend that we just set aside half a day, do a bunch of assessment. And so I, I actually get to know you before, um, shipping you off with the program and and talking to you distantly. So makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doing body work and and all that. So yeah, those are the places that, that you can find me. And, uh, I've got a book that's going to be, um, hopefully coming out in the next year or so. Oh, awesome. It's on the acupuncture meridians. So it's like a layperson's guide, um, to, uh, essentially the rivers of the body is what they yes. call in the books you know
0: oh i like it the yeah. rivers of the body rivers
1: of the body so. so so
0: be on the lookout for that jason thanks again for, for being here today man it's uh it's been amazing having you awesome victor thanks a lot man